0: For each one of us, the victories, the ministry, the things you did yesterday were great, praise God, but today is a new day. And there is still work to be done. Until Jesus comes back, there is still work to do. And I believe that in Crossroads, there are people who are sitting back right now when you are supposed to be pushing forward. That you have rested, and now it's time to re-engage in the work that God has called you to.
1: We need a Caleb movement again. After a big accomplishment, it's easy to rest on our laurels. But as we'll hear in today's teaching, Jesus wants us to go further. The church in Thyatira had some problems, but one thing they did well was that their last works were even greater than their first. The world needs us to do more. The Lord needs us to grow in our faith, to reach others more than we did yesterday. God is issuing a challenging directive when he says to continually increase your work for him. But he's up for helping you to do it.
0: Jesus Jesus pulls the deity card He's like, look These things say the Son of God And what's interesting is Jesus doesn't pull the deity card very often And you know that when he pulls the card It's important He's saying, look I am God's Son And not only that It says these things Says the Son of God Who has eyes like a flame of fire And his feet are like Fine brass Now this again comes from Revelation Chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 John sees this vision And then Jesus takes pieces And doles them out to each church His eyes like a flame of fire That's why I said that the Son of God Has a refining gaze Each one of us are naked and open Before the Lord Each one of us There is nothing that God doesn't see Now I know that's terrifying On a certain level because he sees, he sees all of it. Jesus doesn't just see the Sunday put together version of you. He sees all week, every moment. You know, I, I heard the story and I've loved it. A kid came to a Sunday school teacher and said, you know, why does God see everything? And the Sunday school teacher just in a moment said, it's because he loves you enough he can't take his eyes off you. And it's beautiful, but it's True. God loves you so much you can't take his eyes off you. He thinks you're that special. What's interesting is we don't think we're that special, do we? But his eyes are f- flames of fire. And fire, we know in the Bible, is a picture of either judgment or refinement. The refiner's fire. And you guys know the story. You've been in church long enough and you've heard all the stories about someone who's a refiner of precious metal. What they do is they heat up the metal. And the metal becomes a liquid. That's how, you know, like, if you have a wedding band on, it didn't come out of the earth in this form. Somebody made it into it. Because when you heat up a precious metal, it becomes a liquid. And what a refiner does is he watches it. And as, as he heats it up, he knows a certain temperature when it heats up, all the impurities will start to rise to the surface. And a good refiner keeps his eye. He turns the heat up just enough for the impurities to come to the surface so that he can skim away the impurities. But what's interesting is the refiner also knows if he turns up the heat too hot, he'll ruin it. So just enough to get the impurities to the surface so that he can purify it and then slowly cools it down and shapes it into what he wants. Now, it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Because I'm sure some of you right now, God's turning the heat up on you. There's things going on in your life right now. You feel like you're in the fire. Now, listen, remember about the refiner. The refiner does not want to destroy you. He wants to turn the heat up enough that it will bring the impurities to the surface. So those of you who are here today, you've been freaking out. What's going to happen? How am I going to work this out? Your impurities are coming to the surface. You're seeing the impurities in your own life that God loves you enough to say, I'm going to turn the heat up because I want to purify you. I want to change you. And that's what the eyes of faith do for a a child of God. You look at the situation, you say, God's not looking to destroy me because he sent Jesus to die for me, so that doesn't make any sense. So what's he doing? He's refining me. And all that's going on, all the impurities that are coming to the surface, that's all so that God can take them away. So that I can see what they are, and then God can remove them. Now, some of you, you're in here today, you're not even a Christian, But you're here today, you're watching online, you're in the chapel, because God is turning up the heat on you, and you haven't even chosen to be one of his kids yet. Even though you don't believe in him, he still believes in you. And he still loves you enough to say, I'm gonna turn the heat up, you're gonna freak out a little bit, so that when you start freaking out, you're gonna start looking for me, and guess what? I've already been looking for you. I sent my son to die for you. And if that's you, you're in here today, you're in the chapel, you're looking online, you're gonna have an opportunity to say, look, The Son of God has a refining gaze. And Lord, I want to be changed. I want to be born again today. And when you become born again, then all the promises and the breath of the Bible are all available for you. That he'll never leave you nor forsake you. That all things work together for good for those who love God to make you like Jesus. That God's Spirit will take up residence in your life. It's like having the richest man in the world times infinity move into your house. And provide. That's powerful. All of that is for you in Christ. But God is turning up the heat because He loves you enough to want to change you. Why? What do we always say here? Transformed people, what? Transformed people. As God is transforming you, you will be an agent of transformation in our community, in our world. He's got a refining gaze. And not only that, he has feet of fine brass. Now, there's also, this picture pops up again in Daniel chapter 10, verse 6. Daniel sees this image, this vision of the Son of God. It says, his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words was the voice of a multitude. The brass is pure. It speaks of his so this is who is revealing himself to us and to the church in Thyatira Now, look at the good Look at what it says in verse 19 It says, I know your works, your love, service, faith, and your patience And as for your works, the last are more than the first There's a five-fold commendation He knows their works, their love, their service, their faith, and their patience Beautiful This church isn't all bad. I mean, think about it. I I know your works. I know the things that you do. I know your love. I know the fact that you love me and you love other people. I know your faith. I know that you exercise trust in me. I know your service. God wants each one of us to be servants. Jesus said the greatest in his kingdom are the what? Servants of all. See, Jesus shows power by helping others, not by hoarding power. That's the difference between Jesus' leadership and the way people do it in America in the 21st century. He said, I got power. Jesus says, I have power by giving my power away so that you may have life. That's real power. I was talking to my son Obadiah about this recently. That testosterone's raging in that little man. I love a man. But I keep telling him, like, Obadiah, a real strong man doesn't have to prove he's strong. A real powerful, strong man can keep himself composed even in the face of something that they don't like. Because when you lose your head, you lose your witness. And when you lose your witness, it shows you're weak. And he was
1: like, okay, then. All right. (laughs) Gave
0: him a bump, and that was it. It was a nice little moment we had. He says, I know your patience, I know your perseverance. God knows these things about us too. He knows our works. He knows our love. He knows that some of you are persevering right now, just holding on. He knows it. But then notice what he says. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Here's my application for you. Do more than you did yesterday. Do more than you did yesterday. I love this. The church in Thyatira, they have all these things going from them. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. What's interesting is the contrast with the church in Ephesus. Their first works were better than their last works. Church in Thyatira, their last works are more than their first works. For each one of us, the victories, the ministry, the things you did yesterday were great. Praise God. But today is a new day. And there is still work to be done. Until Jesus comes back, there is still work to do. And I believe that in Crossroads, there are people who are sitting back right now when you are supposed to be pushing forward. That you have rested and now it's time to re-engage in the work that God has called you to. We need a Caleb movement again. Remember Caleb? Caleb. He was one of only two people who made it into the promised land. Caleb was great when he was younger and was even more profound when he was older. He took a mountain that none of the young whippersnappers wanted. They were scared. Caleb was like, I'll go. And God used him powerfully. See, as I think about this in, in regards to who we are here today in 2013 at Crossroads, this verse has really challenged me Because as the new lead pastor Of this phenomenal church There's a great history of great work God has used crossroads In mind-blowing ways And I don't even know the half of it I've been here for two years I still find out things Like, well, I didn't know that I didn't know that Wow But guess what? Yesterday was awesome We, we love the past But guess what? We need to do more work Than we did yesterday That's why we opened up the chapel venue That's why in September we're opening up a Latino venue Why? Because someone said to me, Pastor Daniel Why are you separating the church? Why are you segregating people into the chapel? Why do you want to segregate people who are Spanish speaking? I'm like, no, 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 no It's not segregation It's about reaching more people with the gospel There are people who come to Crossroads now because we open the chapel venue because they don't like the big sanctuary. They like a more intimate setting and a room that seats 2,000 is just too big. Why should that hinder them from hearing the gospel? Why should that hinder them? Maybe like, hey, you know, the worship music, it's music here is a little louder. We'd like it a little quieter. Why should that keep people from Crossroads? So we open up the chapel venue and people are stoked. This, the Latino venue, guess what? If someone's heart language is Spanish and not English, and let's say someone speaks very little English, they can't come and be part of our family because they don't understand anything that's going on. We have lots of people who Spanish is their heart language, but they speak English well enough that they're like, hey, you know, Crossroads is great. But there's all the largest growing demographic in Clark County is the Latino demographic. And guess what? We want to reach them with the gospel. We will use any means necessary to reach people with the gospel. See, for me, what Crossroads has been is amazing, but our last works need to be more than the first works. Pastor Bill and you all set the bar real high for us. And we're going to say, okay, Lord, what's next? We're going to engage the community in all sorts of new and different ways because we have to do more. Yesterday was awesome. We can do more. And each one of us, see, a church does more when all of us say, look, I'm going to step out in ministry in new ways. I don't believe that crossroads, that the pastoral staff should have to tell us where we're going. I believe all of us should be engaged in ministry. You don't need the, the rubber stamp of the crossroads, but you just need to serve the Lord as he's leading you. There's a group of folks that are like, hey, we want to start a motorcycle ministry. Great, go for it. Someone's like, hey, I want to start a, a, a shuttle service for skateboarders to the different skate parks so I can build relationships and maybe see them come to know Christ. Great, go for it. And what are the dreams that God's put in your heart? The ways that God wants to use you. Brothers or sisters, I'm going to tell you, just do it. Don't ask for permission. Just do it. Serve the Lord. See what he wants to do Because our last works need to be more than the first Whatever was yesterday, great It's a new day We say, Lord, thank you for yesterday And we say, Lord, what do you have for us today? And I believe that God wants to mobilize us In absolutely phenomenal ways Unlike anything we've ever experienced And I believe he's going to do different things Than he's ever done before But that, I'll be honest That verse right there drives me when I pray for us as a, as a church family, I say, Lord, let our last works be more than the first. You know, what's funny when Pastor Bill prays for what's going on at Crossroads, he I prays the same thing. Lord, use Crossroads even greater than I ever experienced. He said, tell me, he said, Pastor Daniel, I want God to use you greater than he ever used me. This needs to drive us. Yesterday was great. Praise the Lord, today's a new day. And there's new challenges. And God needs the people of God to step up in new ways. In new ways. We need to do more than we did yesterday. Take new, bold steps of faith in the name of Jesus. I know it's beautiful. I know that's our heart as a church. So many are like, Pastor, I just want to take that next step with Jesus. And I believe it's time for us to. The world needs us To do more than we did yesterday, like the church in Thyatira. If the letter ended there, we'd be golden, but it doesn't. Look at the bad. Look at the bad. We get three verses here to unpack what's going on. Look at what it says. In verse 20, it says, Unless they repent of their deeds I will kill her children with death And all the churches shall know That I am he who searches the minds and hearts And I will give to each one According to your works Now I'm going to give you the concept And then I'm going to unpack it And the concept is simple We need to forsake Jezebel and We need to follow Jesus Forsake Jezebel and follow Jesus. You got to love it all the it's all alliterated for you, right? Forsake Jezebel, follow Jesus. That's like preachers candy right there for you. Forsake Jezebel and follow Jesus. Now notice, the problem in the church in Thyatira is that they allow this woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. To seduce the people. Now, the idea of a prophetess. Prophets, very common. They've been common as long as God has been moving in people. There are people who speak as with the authority of God. I think the simplest way, when people think of a prophet or prophecy, they always think of the foretelling of the future. That's a very small aspect to what a prophet does. If you read all the prophecy in the Bible, only about one third of it is actually predicting the future and two thirds of it is something completely different. So even though we we like the prediction of the future, every time someone comes out with a book about predicting the future, it's a New York Times bestseller because, I mean, we all want to know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? And there's all sorts of people, they make all millions of dollars on the church telling you the new way that the future is going to unfold. And don't get me wrong, the Bible says a lot about it. Well, the Bible also said a lot about when Jesus was going to come, and most of the people missed that too, even though he came. So let's read our Bibles instead of reading the newspaper and reading it into our Bibles. It's a good way to do it. Read the Bible first. See what's going on. Keep your head up. But how many people have walked away from the Lord because the rapture hasn't happened yet? A lot of people. Because there's all sorts of people saying, hey, this is what's going to go down. This is how it's going to go down. And when the European Union happened, it's the revived Roman Empire. Build a bunker. Some of you guys did that, right? Some of you guys are still eating spam from Y2K. If, if you get bored of spam, you can pass some along. I can make it at home, so don't worry. Or we have a great food pantry. You can always use a little spam, right? People are like, yeah, spam. But listen, a prophet's primary job from the Lord is to call into question the status quo and to enliven and envision a more glorious future To call into question the status quo And to energize and enliven a more glorious future But guess what Not everybody who says thus say the Lord is a prophet And that is why in First Corinthians It talks about the reality that we need to test the prophets The Bible is full of as many false prophets As there are actual prophets so just because someone has a delusion of grandeur that they are a prophet does not mean that they actually are. I've been walking with the Lord long enough. I've gotten all sorts of prophecies. I mean, prophecies that were so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, it's almost, I can't even recount them without giggling. You know, it's like I had somebody, since I've been here, they gave me a four judgments on Crossroads. It's totally bonkers. God isn't judging Crossroads This is bride. We're not perfect. But God take all of his judgment on Jesus. Like, even the premise is wrong. But everybody, you know, they're a prophet. Someone told them they were a prophet. They drank too much Kool-Aid at a conference sometime. And before you know it, they're telling you that they're a prophet. And Jezebel was a false prophet. That's what she was. And what was she doing? She had the people committing sexual immorality. The whole thing. Listen to what it says. I mean, she teaches and seduces my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she didn't do it. Look at verse 22 I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent, I will kill her children with death. So this woman. Sexual immorality and worshiping idols. The two types of adultery in the Bible, sexual and spiritual. Those two. This is her issue. Now, of course, calling someone Jezebel would be like calling someone Hitler or Judas. If you think about Jezebel in the Bible, you can read 1 Kings 16-21 to 21, or 2 Kings 9 tells the story of this woman Jezebel. She was the wife of... Of King Ahab She was responsible for killing Naboth And taking his vineyard for her husband She killed all the prophets of the Lord And she tried to kill the prophet Elijah But couldn't get it done She was an evil Biblical character And so whether or not this woman's name Was actually Jezebel Or it's a, a characterization of her Calling someone A woman Jezebel Would be like calling a guy a Judas or a Hitler. It's just it's as bad as it gets. Now, remember I said before that I was gonna have some adult discussion, we need to have a birds and the bees talk. Why? Notice what's going on. She's seducing them to sexual immorality and the issue is that she won't repent and that ultimately the people who go with her won't repent. So it's not about have you done it or not, it's about are you willing to amend your ways and change? Now, what's interesting is I wasn't planning on doing this. I studied. I was away this week. And so I had my message prepared. And all week, as I prayed about the message before I delivered, the one thing that came solely to my heart is that, Daniel, if you love my bride, you need to talk to them about sexual immorality because it is rampant in our culture. It is rampant. Our culture speaks prophetically into the church about what is acceptable and not acceptable sexually. And it makes sense that Satan will go right at sexual, our sexuality because it is the physical expression of the union between Jesus and the church, or a man and a woman. It speaks of the physical union. And so it makes sense for Satan to take something sacred and bastardize it. Change it. Make it wrong.
1: Jesus is... Pastor Daniel used the example of Caleb to explain what was meant by your last works are greater than your first in the letter to the church in Thyatira, when Caleb, was the only one of two people to make it into the promised land, took a mountain that none of the younger men wanted. Pastor Daniel encouraged us to not rest in what we've done already, but to take on more work for Jesus. Do more than you did yesterday. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will tackle a problem that runs rampant in our culture today, sexual sin. The church in Thyatira was chastised for following the practices of a prophetess, which was sexual in nature. Human sexuality has been warped so severely by our culture that we don't even realize how surrounded we are. We'll see how it has affected our views and behaviors and be exhorted to repent. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through the book of Revelation. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.